Hey there, Cyber listeners. Matthew here. Just really quickly want to give you some context for this episode, just in case you didn't hear the first part. This is the second part of a long conversation that Emily and I recorded with a longtime motherboard editor-in-chief, Jason Kepler. He has left. He's got his own thing going on now. Maybe you've heard of it. Uh, but before he, we left, we made him tell us all the deep, dirty secrets of motherboard. A lot of great stories in this one. Um so to, to kind of set it up where we are here, he had just finished telling us a story uh, about one of Motherboard's earliest controversies, which happened uh, when he was in an HR meeting, learning how to do his job. He came out, he had a bunch of calls from Disney. Uh, if you want to hear that story, go back and listen to the first episode. Uh, let's get into a different controversy, one that's got a, that ties into a movie that's out in theaters right now. the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Can we can we talk about another time someone got mad at us? Yeah, let's move on. That's let's much. On. It's this one's much funnier. Uh, so there's a movie coming out. Perhaps you've heard of it. Uh, the Gran Turismo, the movie, movie directed by Neil Blomkamp. Um, we have done some work with this director before. Former friend of Motherboard. Former friend of Motherboard. <laughs> now arch nemesis, Neil wow. Blomkamp. Uh, Emily is pulling up the, the article yeah, now. I'm try- Do you want me to pull up the YouTube video? Yeah, yeah. I think we can We should. We can sure. watch the video, right? Surely. We have that ability. Uh, can you, while, while she's pulling it up, Jason, can you set up what we're about to watch? Yeah, so Neil Blomkamp is the director of District 9 um, and a bunch of other movies that are very motherboardy. Like, we would always talk about, like, is this motherboardy? And motherboardy means, like, kind of like dystopian, utopian, sci fi, like, edgy, blah, blah, blah. And it's like District 9, super motherboardy because it's about aliens being, like, like living in this. Uh, concentration camp essentially in South Africa if I recall mm-hmm. correctly very good yeah. um, we were trying to figure out how to make at the time Motherboard made a lot of YouTube videos documentaries that were super expensive to make and super time consuming to make um, and by that I mean cost tens of thousands of dollars we would send people into the field for months, not months for like, you know, a while. And then they would spend like months in edit and they were and are fantastic pieces of journalism, but we weren't able to like make enough of them because they were so expensive and resource intensive, et cetera. So we came up with this idea. This is before I was EIC, I believe, but I was like involved in this whole thing. Um, we came up with this idea called pilot week where we would film five different shows that were going to be like, quote unquote, easier to make. Although once you see this, this was like not at all easy to make and was expensive and was in the field. So I'm not sure what we were thinking. Um, But they were supposed to be like videos that we could like film in our office and turn around quickly, Um, like shorter, (laughs) shorter, easier videos. And one of the ideas was for this thing called techno catharsis, where famous people destroyed 
technology that was like ruining their lives. And by that, like things that were like really stressing them out. Um, and in this case, Neil Blomkamp agreed to participate. Uh, and I don't remember the exact specifics, but it was more or less like, I spend so much time looking at my computer, let's destroy it. Uh, like, I don't, I don't like, you know, all the time I spend on my computer, like I want to be more in tune with what's with real life. So it led to this video, which are you going to play? Yeah. Can let's we take play a look. Let, yeah. Let's roll the clip. Let, it's, it's like two and a half minutes long. I think let's just watch through it and yeah. then we'll talk about it after it's over. Can you can you hear it or let me sorry let me let me restart it give me one second guys sorry all good and if you're uh, listening to the podcast of this afterwards we will put the link in the show notes. yes okay playing hi I'm Neil Blomkamp and I have a ton of computers and a monitor strapped to the front of this Hummer and I'm about to smash them to pieces welcome to techno catharsis fuck the monitor. <laughs> I'm Neil Blomkamp. I'm the director behind District 9, Elysium, and Chappie. Elysium all like is super good. In my life are taking too much time. So it's a need to want to cleanse them out of my immediate space. I admire the technology, and I, I admire that it's able to kind of help people, you know, do a lot more with their lives. But it also, if you don't control it, it ends up, taking everything from you and you just sit in front of it all day and I've mentally decided to not do that anymore so I want to I want to destroy it we're just looking for the perfect area to smash the monitor and the laptops this looks pretty interesting here those listening at home the monitor is strapped to the front of the hover yeah I think we're good And he drove into the impact. Exactly what I was hoping for. I feel like they got what they deserved. Now he's just driving over the monitor. Particular hatred for the monitor, so it's it's good to see it gone. monitor that's my favorite part it's so good monitor that was pretty faithful but it took a lot of time for me and two laptops that have also sucked numerous hours so the new time to be spent without computers is upon me and i feel like there's been a catharsis i feel like there's really catharsis is also really good yeah So, so we published this video as well as four others that are like, most of them are pretty goofy. And one, our audience hated it. They were so mad. They were really, really mad. They were like, what is this? Why is this so low quality? Which is crazy because that is like pretty high quality video, like a lot going on there. Like I thought it was good. It has a beginning, middle, end. He explains why he's doing this. Yeah, we're in the field. Like I have no idea how much that costs to make, but it's like not an easy thing to make. And I don't know if it was like 
because our audience didn't like it or just because he didn't like it. But like Neil Blomkamp like did not like that video and was like very mad that he participated. (laughs) And I wasn't the subject of like the angry emails, but (laughs) it's like, we're such big fans of him. (laughs) The vibes were very good. We're very happy about how this turned out. We thought it was cool. We thought it had, you know, it's silly, but we thought it had something to say about how like much time we were spending on devices and all that. And then also it's like, you know, you don't want to be wasteful, but the computers were no longer working. And it's like, we've done a lot about recycling and e-waste and so on and so forth. And it's like, it's not good, but it's also like, I don't know what happened to the computers in the end. I think we framed them actually, or not framed them, but (laughs) they were like in our office for a while. Um, they became like art pieces, you know, it's just like in the grand scheme of things, like relatively harmless video, but, uh, it was very mad, very, very (laughs) mad, like no longer friends with us mad. Um, and I don't know if that relationship was ever mended, but like we never made any, well, we had five shows for pilot week. One was that another one was this cable access type channel uh, called what's the deal with, I believe, or whatever happened to, or something like that. And that was Kaylee Rogers. It was a good fun series as well. Uh, That was an editorial series turned into YouTube videos. Uh, We did greatest moments in hacking history, which is the only one that anyone liked which was an animated version of uh, it was like animated uh, video of hackers talking about their favorite hacks that they ever had ever done. And those all went viral and were good, except yeah. they were animated and animation is like so time consuming yeah. and expensive. So like yet another. <laughs> yeah. um, and then there was two others. I forget what one of them was, but the other one, and I, I said I wanted to talk about this, so I'm just going to talk about it. Maybe you have it stuff pulled up for it, but it was this series called I Will Open Anything, which is was my series. I did uh, not my, know about this. No. It was my idea, uh, and I was the star of it. This isn't the Shit Express and, thing, is it? Well, it's so, yes, it is because here's the thing. I did a bunch of articles where I would buy weird things Mm -hmm. and have them mailed to the office. And then I would open them on webcam video and upload that video to my personal YouTube. And those videos like repeatedly went kind of viral on my own YouTube. And we're like, why don't we do it on the motherboard YouTube and like make it a little bit more like, like an unboxing video, but we're unboxing weird stuff. Right. And the first one was Fox Urine that we had yeah, bought have on Amazon. Can we watch it? Yeah, let's I watch have it. not watched it in a very long time. All right. Baby let's Jason. Look at that. You're so happy. Look at how happy you are. You're so happy to I'm be here with the Fox motherboard here. growth team member Evan Rogers, and we are going to open this box. It's pretty uh, rectangular and standard. I wouldn't say that there's anything particularly notable about this box, other than the fact that it was packaged excellently. 
no fragile like signs. No, it doesn't seem fragile at all. All right, so something hard. That was a great sound. Yeah, it it feels like it's taller than it is like wide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, should we break into this thing? I think we should. Okay, got to do this with care. The first thing I'm noticing is a smell emanating from this That's box. Uh, a very strong smell. All right, let's see what, what we've got here. Okay. It's a bottle. Oh. Wild meat-fed red fox urine. Uh, I can't possibly fathom why you would, A, send this to a tech website, and B, what you would do with this. Deer hunters. Use as a masking scent by applying around your stand. Because fox urinate frequently to mark their territory, deer are accustomed to smelling their urine and are not alarmed by its presence. So you can cover your scent and also send chill vibes out to deer. Exactly. They're like, oh, everything's fine. Should we? <laughs> the color of it. All right. Oh. It's green. Oh. <laughs> It's certainly like rotting eggs, like it's very sulfury. Yeah. Oh, it, absolutely. It's got a definite. It's it's yeah. it's not unlike pee that you're familiar with. I mean, it would be like the putrid flesh of a rotting animal. Yeah. And then also like a sycamore tree. <laughs> nice. If I were a hunter, I would give this five dirty hostile socks out of a possible five dirty hostile socks. But as a tech. Blogger, zero. Zero point zero out of five. Anything. All units, zero. What about you? This is hurting my face. <laughs> Gotta see if this stuff actually works. <laughs> <laughs> like you monster. Okay, so... So let me talk about this. Oh... Oh, gross. So tell tell them what you're doing at the end of the video for the people listening at home. It's gone. Now we wait. I'm just wait spraying it all it. over Brooklyn. I don't know why I did that. Oh. It's just like fucked up. Yes, I'm gonna um, it already smells like piss. So like, I mean... Fox urine smells way different than regular pee, though. That's the whole, that's the whole oh. conceit. It smells horrible. <laughs> so... Okay. I can see why people didn't like that video because it's not very good or entertaining and I wasn't very good on camera at the time. Um, but we'll get into like how this originally started. But basically, we decided to make this and we had people on our team just send us weird shit, send me weird shit. And then we decided that this was the grossest one, I guess. And uh, I opened it in the office one day and I believe I had... Like, I think multiple people went home because it was too gross and it was like hurting their eyes. Um, and my personal feedback on this video now with the um, distance of time is that it's way too overproduced. It's a little slow. And also, I don't know, it doesn't have anything to do with tech really, which is fine. It doesn't necessarily have to do anything to do with tech, but the conceit of the show was like, I'm going to open up weird stuff that you can buy on the internet or that people show me. And this was during peak like YouTube unboxing gadgets where yeah. people were like unboxing, you know, the new iPhone and making like 45 minute videos of them, which is of course still a genre, but it was like gadget fucking 
YouTubers. Like we were supposed to like be making fun of that. And I don't even know if that like came through necessarily. <laughs> it, it's no. giving like like buzz like early Buzzfeed a yeah. little bit and less less uh, gadget fucker like you know. Parody. Yeah, yeah. So people didn't like that video, um, but I want to talk about the first one that I ever did, which is on a, a you know my MacBook webcam uh, in the early days of Bitcoin. I found this website on the, I don't even think it was on the dark web. I think it was on regular web, web, web 2.0 uh, called shit express. And it was a website that allowed you to anonymously send horse shit to anyone in exchange for $10 in Bitcoin. <laughs> um and I wanted to see if it worked. And it was during that period of time where like Bitcoin can be used to buy things like currency can be exchanged for goods and services, which right. is like not so really true. even the case with Bitcoin now. But at the time, people were buying drugs with it all the time and doing other yeah. stuff. So I was like, I'm going to buy this. I didn't have any Bitcoin at the time. Some people on Motherboard had Bitcoin, but I knew that my roommate had a bunch of Bitcoin. And so I was like, hey, Pete, like... I'm going to Venmo you $10 and you send me $10 of Bitcoin. And he did. And I bought the Bitcoin. I bought the shit and I mailed it to myself to see if it would like actually come. I mailed it to the office and it came. And then I reviewed the service. Well, we have the video. (laughs) Let's do it. We like to watch the video. This one's short. So yeah, let's let's do it. Hey Internet, this is Jason with Motherboard. Um, we're here to do our first ever unboxing video. Uh, we have a very cool uh, new product from the website ShitExpress.com, like, like I believe. Like a wrap um, burger from McDonald's. It is yeah. supposed to be horse shit from Slovenia, it, it appears. Uh, I'm very nervous because I'm very excited to see what is in here. Um, looks like we've got a, it's addressed to me. You can send me mail at that address if you want. We've got a customs form that says, uh, sorry, it says it's a Halloween gag gift. I don't know if you can see that there, but that's what it says. Uh, and it looks like it came from Slovenia. So let's see what's in here. Does it smell? I don't smell anything yet. It seems like maybe it's a Tupperware or something. <laughs> Ah, yes. It is in Tupperware. It's very well packaged. It's in uh, some bubble wrap. And here we go. It is indeed shit, I believe. Uh, The bottom of the box says it's horse manure. Contents 100% organic matter. Wow. Uh, Usage manure can be added directly to compost or garden. Use it at least three weeks before plantation, which I don't think that's the right use of that word. Do not leave in a closed box. Well, it's in this, which is a closed box, and it's been a while. Um, up top it says, I received a horse shit. What now? Uh, at first, think about yourself. Someone sent it to you probably because you hurt or insulted a person consciously or unconsciously. Uh And it has a personalized message right here that says, I hate your guts. Um, That was the message I wrote to myself. You you sent yourself shit and it said, I hate your guts? 
I did. I did indeed do that. And uh, this was completely anonymous. It cost, I think, like 20 bucks in Bitcoin. So uh, you can now use Bitcoin to buy shit online. It was my first ever uh, purchase using cryptocurrency. Um, I'm going to open it now very quickly and then probably throw it away. But <laughs> let's see. Are you going to garden with it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. That's poop. Would you like to smell it, Barry? <laughs> yep, it smells like a horse farm. Yeah, yeah. That's I think, think that was a success. So if you want to buy your own horse shit, you can go to shitexpress.com, I think. Was it express? How long did it take? Uh, it took about two weeks, which is not all that fast. So I if you hate someone a lot, from Slovenia, that's good. I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, if it's if you have some time, go ahead and, and you know order it. Uh, it comes from Slovenia, so you know customs takes a while. But uh, yeah, this is a great new product, and I think uh, I think a lot of people will will want to order this sort of thing. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. Okay, so. Question. Oh wait, sorry. You you go, and then I have a question. You you ask the question first. Do you know how many Bitcoin ten dollars, twenty dollars was then? Like how much? Twenty six. According to that? chat, twenty six thousand dollars now. Okay, cool. They answered it wait, for what? us. According to chat, what? That's how much. That's how much. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah. That 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 um, prank would be worth twenty six thousand dollars now. <laughs> so here's a few things that that's yes, lots of interesting <laughs> things about this video. Many <laughs> like there's a long history, long future for Shit Express after this. So I wrote an article. I embedded it in the article. The article went pretty viral like a lot of people read it i think the youtube video has like a hundred thousand views or something like that uh the owner of shit express wrote me a letter saying thank you so much for covering my product our sales have shot through the roof and he (laughs) embedded the he embedded this video on shitexpress.com at the top of the website um so there's that there's the fact that that ten dollars in Bitcoin was worth like twenty thousand, or that that twenty dollars worth of Bitcoin was worth like twenty thousand dollars several years later. That I will never get back, and that my roommate will never get back. There is the fact that the amount of Bitcoin that was left over in my wallet because I didn't have exa- I had like a tiny fraction left over that I was able to see, but I could not access was worth like eight hundred dollars <laughs> that I've just lost. I can't get into yeah. it. Um, and then there's the fact that like, first of all, shit express still exists. This was like eight years ago, something like that. Seven, eight years ago, it still exists. It got hacked last year and all, and all of the like senders were doxxed. Oh no. Uh, all of the anonymous shit senders, like I mean, a lot of people use fake names and emails and stuff, but it's like their emails were leaked, which is really funny. And I emailed the dude and I don't remember what he said, but let me see if I can pull it up. Um, but yeah, like shit express, like weirdly, weirdly important <laughs> in my life. <laughs> so info at shit 
Uh, oh yeah. So the owner of Peter, the CEO of Shit Express, emailed me in December 2014, and he said this. I'll drop it in chat. He was like, "By the way, I wrote about you in my blog." Wait, no, you can't. You can't drop links, unfortunately. But if you send it to me, I, I can. You set, it's showing yeah, up for me. Well, it's not showing up for the rest of Am us. Am I a your, shadow your banned? List. Yeah, you're shadow banned in in the chat. So just just DM it to me on on <laughs> Slack, and I'll put it in. Yeah, it just shows you. It just shows like the three little dots. Yeah, it's just like dot dot dot. So no, it's it's continue to shadow ban Jason. You're just a civilian now, buddy. In September of 2022, like years later, I was like, "Hey, dude, um, heard you got hacked. Can you can you tell me about it?" And I meant to blog about this, but I forgot. Um, He said, "One, it's still popular. They're getting orders every single day." To this day, they're getting orders every day. Uh, he said customers weren't really affected by the leak. He said, quote, we don't possess the customer's information. It all stays with the payment processor and crypto transactions are 100% anonymous. Not gonna, I don't know, don't want to unpack that right now. And then uh, he said that since they originally got hacked by SQL, a SQL injection, that other people have tried to hack them as well. But that quote... Yeah. We just want to do business and have fun, which is how I feel as well. <laughs> um, That's funny. All right, Sarah, but listeners want to pause there for a break. We'll be right back after this. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, cyber listeners, welcome back. Since we're in kind of the controversy, but this one's this one's really minor, but it's always struck me as very funny um, and very prescient of us and very stupid of the critique uh, all these years later. Uh, Motherboard was one of the first sites to remove its comments section. Were you here when that happened or was that like right before you? No, I was here. Uh, do you remember Penny Arcade doing a comic where they were made, where they made fun of Motherboard? Dude, yes, but I I don't remember. I don't remember the comic. Yeah, let's pull okay. It. Well, we can, we have it. Let's pull it up. Um, this is a really this is your life. So, um, oh wait, no, sorry, wrong. No, there it is. Okay, there it is. Let yeah. me zoom in a little bit. Uh, I that's will Derek, use I believe. Yeah, I think that's supposed yeah. to be uh, a characterization of Derek. Um, I'll, I'll read it. So Thank you. I, I want to. So we, we got rid of the. You, you guys got rid of the comments section in like 2015, and I want to kind of talk about that in a second. But the the immediate reaction from Penny Arcade, who I guess was a fan, maybe. Uh, and if you don't know what Penny Arcade is, it's a. Uh, it's a video gaming webcomic. It's kind of the most successful and popular one. Um, so here at Motherboard, 
we're replacing our comments section with something better, no comments section. What, we're, what we've learned is that a conversation doesn't need two sides. We're providing other ways to contact us. Ways nobody will know about and are much easier to ignore. In the end, we just want to hear from you. That's why we've made it impossible to speak. If only there were some way you could all discuss the topic in a convenient place, maybe even, I don't know, directly below the article. Honestly, I don't even know what to call something like that. Uh, which is really funny now, given what we've all learned about each other <laughs> in how we all feel about comment sections in Facebook and Twitter in general. Um, and I just like, I like no comic has aged more poorly. Well, I'm sure there are, but that comic has aged pretty poorly. <laughs> um, and I just kind of wanted you to talk about the different, that different era of the internet and like, why Why would you get rid of a comment section? What was going on online at the time? And Emily, I know you've got some context as well yeah. for that. So uh, I didn't make this decision, but I supported it at the time. It was like I really wanted them to be turned off because the comments were terrible. Um, I think that I might get some specifics here wrong. But at the time, we had Discus comments, which is D-I-S-Q-U-S, I believe, which is like a third-party plugin that went beneath each article. And the conceit with Discus is that you had a Discus account, and then you could comment on any website that had Discus comments. So it's like your account on Motherboard would have been the same account that you would have on, like, you know, Politico or something. Yeah. Um, and I believe you could leave... a comments as a guest as well uh that said discus was a fucking trash fire uh of a piece of software i don't know if it still exists but it's like up right up there with like uh some like expense reporting software concur another garbage fire piece of software (laughs) uh in just terms of like usability for one i think it loaded really slow uh it did. It was the main thing is like one, it was full of spam, like mm-hmm. tons and tons and tons and tons of spam. So it made the uh, articles look spammy. The website looks spammy. Second of all, people were just like dickheads in the comments. They were really mean. And it's like one thing for uh, someone to disagree with you or like point out something wrong. But like we had people who were like harassing women on staff. We had people who were posting threats. We had people who were just like trolling us constantly and being assholes in addition to tons and tons of spam. And it's like, it also had really terrible moderation tools. So it was really hard to like delete these comments and stuff. And it's like, Emily, I think you're going to give like broader context to how it sort of worked like internet wide. But eventually it was like, look, like we can't moderate these and like 1% of them are useful in any way, shape or form. And so Derek decided to get rid of them. It was definitely like a really good decision at the time. It made our lives a lot better. We stopped getting harassment and stuff like that. And we've replaced them with a letter to the editor system where people were able to send us emails. Like we, we opened up an email thing and then we would write responses to those emails so we replaced with like a mailbag thing i think in retrospect issues yeah we've got all of our old letters to the editor sections that we used to do 
Yeah. The issue is like people kind of stopped sending them after a while, even though we were like soliciting them, but we, it was really fun for a few months and then people kind of stopped sending them to a lot of other places, got rid of comments also. And then three, and it's like, this is, you know, old, old internet, but like not having comments it was the right decision at the time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Not having comments made it kind yeah. of difficult for us to like build a community. And I, and we didn't have Twitch at the time. Like it's nice to be on Twitch and be able to talk directly to readers. And some people are asking questions that I will try to answer at some point, but it's like, um, it would have been nice to have like a functional comment section where people could get to know us and we could get to know the readers and, that's like a very good model that can lead to like subscriptions and other sorts of like community building and like monetization and stuff. And it's like new media has had a really hard time, like making ends meet. Like it would have been nice to have like a functioning community, but at that time it was like impossible to build one through discus because discus was a trash fire. Um, anyways, Emily. Yeah. So I want to, there are a couple of different angles that I want to talk about this from one. I'll start with a comment from the snow, the slow knife um, who says spam and reactionary hate is hard. I, that's a gif of a cat. So I don't know what word that's supposed to be. It's hard to, it's hard to, I assume watch constantly without consistently without paying social media folk. And that's like exhausting. And as a social media editor, yes, a lot of, what people were talking about when, you know, or when social media like editors started becoming a thing, which I would say is like around in and around that time, maybe a little bit earlier when, you know, media companies started taking social more seriously. Um, hard to clean. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it becomes a question of, okay, so what is, what is the scope of a job like this? Is a job managing community? Is a job making content to put on social? Is a job a little bit of both? And a lot of people have different responses to those questions. But my feeling is that those are two very different skill sets. And, you know, especially we, we've, you know, lived through an era where we've seen, and this is taking it to an extreme, but seeing what kind of content moderation has to happen on a social network like Facebook and who ends up being responsible for doing a lot of that content moderation, which ends up being like people who are underpaid typically overseas and are having to watch and read and see horrific things so that we ideally is like regular users of a website won't have to, but it ends up leading to a lot of trauma for them and they are not, you know, they're not treated with the kind of care that a job like that needs to have. Um, and so that actually ended up being a big problem for Jezebel, which is under the geo media slash GMG slash Gawker media, whatever you want to call it umbrella of websites where this actually preceded the motherboard comment section turning off, which if we could just, there's an article that I want to just pull up real fast. Um, and it's called, we have a rape gift problem and Gawker Media won't do anything about it. And this is basically, so if, if you're familiar, um, Gawker and whatever Geomedia uses this, a CMS that they made themselves called Kinja, which has a comment system like within 
like that they built themselves. Um, and so it's like always really been a big like place for people to comment. There's a lot of like people who have been there since like, I don't know, 2010, maybe earlier. Um, and you used to be able to put gifts and there basically used to be just be like a wild, wild west of things within that comment section. One of them being rape gifts, especially on Jezebel, which is the feminist uh, sub brand there. And yeah, Gawker didn't do anything about it. They didn't take the people there seriously when this was raised as a problem. And this actually ended up leading to the formation of the first digital media union. This is one of the main issues that led to the creation of the Gawker union, um, which there's a bit of, there's a bit of con- like contesting between if it was vice or if it was Gawker, that was the first to unionize, but it was you know, definitely Gawker. It was Gawker, yeah, but um, yeah. So the comment section and like how readers interact with the website and with writers ended up becoming a huge issue and a huge, you know, I'm, I'm trying to look for the words right now, but it's not coming to me, but it, be, it became like a huge workplace safety issue. Yeah, and No one, so, no one yeah. needs to be processing that kind of visual every day, just as part of their job, especially if their exactly. job is like reporting on, uh, you know, feminist issues and like politics and this kind of thing. And then, you know, every day at the bottom of that article, there's going to be rape, rape gifts and rape threats. And there's no, like you can turn that off. Like there's so many other options, right? Um, yeah. So to have someone just, like ways- sorry, go ahead. No, no, just to have management, not have absolutely no movement on that. It's pretty wild. Sorry. Guest was almost about to walk. There's on so the many. There are there are a lot of other options, but like this, it's it's terrible. But the technology was worse then. Yeah, just it's like yeah, the moderation absolutely. tech was worse. The commenting platforms were worse. There were not as many different options. It's like Gawker and Jezebel were using Kinjo, which was their own in-house thing. So it's like they have no one but themselves to blame. It's like they yeah. probably needed to build in the different things, but it's like. Unless we were going to build our own bespoke commenting platform, which was like not really a solved problem at that point, it was basically like Discus, and Discus was terrible. And there was some project called like Coral Project that was trying to do comments, and it's like I don't even know how that turned out. It's like you know, there's a lot of websites that have comments now, or that are bringing back comments, or have comments only for page subscribers or whatever. But uh, at the time, there were not a lot of paywalled websites and so the idea that's like let's make people pay to comment like that wasn't really a thing um maybe the new york times had a paywall then but i don't even think they had a paywall at this point Um, the the extent that it is now right so it was kind of just like uh discus was a trash fire kinja was not better and it's like the people who were forced to deal with it were the writers often it's not like you know Vice didn't have content moderators. Um, and yeah, the on the on the union point, uh, Gawker definitely unionized first. Vice may have had the first contract like signed, possibly, but right. I'm not even sure about that. But I know this because I was on the organizing committee. Like I helped 
organized the Vice Union originally, and we were inspired by the Gawker folks who had already been through the process. And that was like very cool and inspiring for us. And uh, the unionization process, I know that both of you have been very involved in the union over the years. Um, But that was like one of my favorite parts of working here as well was sort of like going through that process. It was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was trying to remember because I remember that there there was like one timing discrepancy and I wasn't sure if it was ratifying the first contract or announcing unionization. So thank you for the fact check on that. Um, Just don't want, I just don't want to take credit, you know, they they were good, but not that you were. Um, Hamilton Nolan going to appear at your house knocking (laughs) on the door. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Um, Did you ever find out what those mystery seeds were? Um, my theory is that the mystery seeds were just seeds that people ordered during the pandemic and that came way later and that they had forgotten they ordered, um, for people who don't know. Yeah. Sorry. We're getting into just now it's, it's potpourri time. Yeah. We're, we're getting into, yeah, it is very much the potpourri. This is a potpourri hour. Um, so these are some seeds. Tell us about these seeds, Jason. Yeah, in like summer 2020, there were there was this panic uh, where all these people were getting seeds in the mail from China, like seeds to plant in the uh, ground, and people were freaking out, thinking it was some like Chinese psyop, more or less. Like that was basically how it was pitched in the media. So I filed a bunch of Freedom of Information Act requests because. Um, different departments of agriculture for each state asked people to like write in if they had received these mystery seeds. And I got like thousands and thousands of records of people complaining to their state departments of agriculture. Like, Hey, I got these seeds. Uh, I'm being attacked, et cetera, by China. Like that's what a lot of the, the vibe of these were. And I got like emails, voicemail recordings, photos, videos, like all of the above, and it turns out that like a lot of the complaints were like, I ordered these seeds from China and then they came in the mail and now I'm scared. <laughs> um, yeah, can, I, can I read one of these um, yeah. that's in the article? Okay. So about a month ago, I did receive seeds from China. I guess China because it looks like Chinese writing. I thought, oh, cool. Maybe Burgess Seeds or one of the seed companies sent me some seeds. And um, like a dumbass, I planted them not knowing that there was a problem. A woman in New Mexico said in a voicemail left with the state's Department of Agriculture in late July of 2020. And now I've been battling these this for a couple of weeks. Now where I planted them, and I remember where I planted them, everything that's in the garden where I planted them are having a hard time and are starting to die. I really don't know what to do at this point. So could someone call me back and give me a little bit of direction about this? I know I'm a dumbass. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It reminds me very much too of, I don't know if you, I I assume both of you remember this where it was like Honey Nut Cheerios was sending out like wildflower seed packets a number of years ago being like, help honeybees. And then a bunch of biologists were like, no, that's not what this is doing. You're introducing like invasive plant species where they aren't necessarily supposed to be growing, which is not going to be good for the bees. Yeah. 
that was a really good one. The, the Honey Nut Cheerios one. The uh, the thing that I really liked about this story was just like it's it was Parks and Rec, but real life. You know, <laughs> it, it's like it's really like we have a rich tapestry of people in the United States of varying degrees of common sense. Um, and I don't mean this to be mean at all, but it's going to sound mean. It's like people are like, I ordered these seeds and they came and now I'm terrified. Like I personally like (laughs) brought, got them here. And then other people were like, Oh my God, I got these seeds. I was so scared. And then I ate them. Like people were like, I ate the seeds. I planted the seeds. I burned the seeds. I like launched the seeds into space. Like people were just like, get these Chinese seeds away from me. Like they were just like really off the rails. And I'm just like, what is it like if I had gotten the seeds or whatever, I would have like probably put them in the trash and never thought about them ever again. Or I would have just like put them in a closet or whatever. We love Um, a good panic. Especially. And yeah, if I had ordered them, I would have been like, Oh, I got the thing that I ordered on the internet. I'm glad that they came. Um, I love that. That was a fun one. Seeds. Yeah, that's that one's yeah. that's super fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I guess there's like at the front, you know, here this looks like pumpkin seeds or some sort of squash seeds. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but I would never think to like go to the garden center, buy a thing of pumpkin seeds, and like roast them myself and be like, wow, pumpkin yeah. seeds, or I guess eat them raw because I assume if someone's going to be like, I ate the seeds, I'm I'm picturing it like fully, just like undid the ziploc and just like <laughs> threw it back and just like yeah. It's fiber. No, you gotta <laughs> get a little. Yeah. You gotta put them in a little bit of oil and some salt and a little bit of salt. Yeah, yeah. if you really want to get the the full exceed experience. Exactly. Uh, so I'm in no rush at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know what. Do you have a more plant? Like, are, am I going to get peppered with more questions, or, or we, am I? We've literally. I think we. How are we doing? We've been through. It's been over a little over two hours. We've been through. I think the big things. That we want to talk to yeah, you okay. about. We have Looking, like, we have, we have a whole two more pieces that are probably worth talking about that are just like random. Would love to talk a little bit about right to repair. Mm-hmm. Are you saying that you want to leave that, us, Jason? Is that what I'm hearing? I, I'm not saying I want to leave you. I'm saying that I don't. Um, I'm saying that I get very self-conscious when I start talking about myself mm-hmm. and I like talking about myself, but I also don't know when it becomes boring. And so this is I, don't, boring. I don't know how much of it is y'all being polite and how much <laughs> of it is, uh, is like, dear God, get me out of here. Um, but Chad, if, if how, you're how having, you if you're having fun, I'm having fun. I'm happy to keep going. I have nothing to do today. I think yeah, Beatmaster has figured out our ploy, which is the trick is to make the stream last forever so that Jason can never leave. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Pretty, yeah. That's very cute. Thank you. <laughs> I do have a couple more. Um, I, I do have a couple more things I do want to ask you about before we, before we kick you out. Um, Someone just asked about my exit interview, which I did on Wednesday, uh, and it was fun and a little cathartic, but also, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not mad. It's like vice has been very good to me. Uh, I've gotten to do a lot of stuff here and I'll give this speech at the end, but basically it's just like, I've been here for a very long time. So I, it's like, you know, time to do 
time to get out of here. Time to not, not because of anything other than just like, I'm 10 years is a long time in this industry and yeah. at this company, um, which we can go back to later. So ask your question, Matt. Um, this is when we were, this is just like, we were going through your stories and I saw this and it was just like, what the fuck I eat? What, uh, what is it like to go bowling with somebody that has a bola? What was, what was, yeah, man. what was the deal with this? This is why vice is great. It's like, you can write about anything, just some stuff that happens to me, things I see on the internet, etc. So the, there was an, a bowl, I was in a bowling league in Brooklyn when I moved in there. A bola league? In a, yes. I've never heard the joke. <laughs> uh, so if anyone remembers like the Ebola panic of 2014 or 2013, something like that, it's like, there's this guy, Craig Spencer, who like is super, super famous now for his COVID stuff. Um, because he's like a doctor and a very good one seemingly. Uh, but he was fighting Ebola in, I don't know where he was. He was in West Africa, obviously, but I don't remember the specific country at this point. Yeah. Uh, and he came back and he tested positive for Ebola. And that was during a period where everyone was like really scared of Ebola coming to the United States. I believe that the New York case was the first one. And then there was like one in Texas maybe. And everyone freaked the fuck out like really bad. Like everyone was like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Um, and it turned out that he didn't test positive for Ebola until after he had been back in New York for a day or two. And the night before he tested positive, he had gone bowling at the bowling alley that I was in my bowling league at in Brooklyn called the gutter. And so everyone I went bowling with was like, "Uh Oh, like, do we have Ebola? Um, and I don't know. So there's two bowling alleys right next to each other in Williamsburg and Brooklyn. There's Brooklyn bowl and there's the gutter. The gutter is way better. Uh, fantastic place. Very dingy, like old bowling alley. They imported their lanes from Ohio, I believe. Um, in any case, our office is nearby or was nearby at the time. Still is close. Um, so the next day I like walked over cause it, it hadn't been reported which Brooklyn bowling alley this happened at. Um, but Brooklyn bowl was open and the gutter had power washers everywhere. There was just people like, <laughs> like blasting it with power washers. And I was like, okay, I think he was at the gutter last night. There's like people in hazmat suits, like blasting the doors of this place. Um, and it's closed. So, uh, I just wrote a piece of like what this was like, and it's like Ebola is transmitted via bodily fluids. And I knew that at the time, of course. And it's like, I wasn't bleeding on anyone or didn't have any open wounds at the bowling alley. But at the same time, bowling alley where you're like drinking a bunch of beers is not the most hygienic of places. You're like sticking fingers in the ball and stuff. So I think that this article, I don't remember if it was good or not, but um, like, I don't remember if it's good article. I do remember I wrote it that night um, or like so that it could get out. But um, 
I was like, oh yeah, all my friends are freaking out. So it was like, here's here's what it's like for everyone to make the Ebola joke, Ebola uh, joke, um, and stuff <laughs> yes. like that. Ebowling alley. Um, and Dr. Craig Spencer ended up being fine, which is good. And uh, now he's famous. So that's good too. <laughs> all right. Uh, I think we're going to start winding up, but before we go, you had talked at the beginning about how one of the things you're most proud of is the right to repair issue. Um, and I'm wondering if you can walk me through, yeah. I know we've talked about some of the stories, but can you talk about like your history with I fix it and like why that issue became important to you and like what it is and kind of, where we are now because where we are now is very different from where we are when you started reporting on it. Right. Yeah. Um, so back when I worked at us news and world report, like I mentioned earlier, I went to a STEM education conference that we threw in Dallas, Texas. And it was the first time I ever traveled for work. I think I was like 20 one, I was 21. I was not 20 for, for reasons that are about to become clear. And we went to a karaoke bar after this conference and I got pretty drunk. All was fine. But when I got back to my hotel, I was watching, I believe the Chappelle show and like fell asleep while I was watching that. And the next morning I woke up and I had kicked my laptop off the bed and it landed on a chair and the LCD screen of my MacBook busted and had like these crazy rainbows on it and stuff. And I was an intern making, I believe, $8 an hour or something. And this was like a $1,200 computer. And I was like, uh-oh, not good, not good. Uh, they didn't give me a computer. Or they gave me like a desktop computer for use at the office, but that was my personal laptop. And so I was like, I took it to the Apple store. They're like, it's going to be a thousand dollars. I took it to some other place and they're like, it's going to be like $800. And I was like, okay, I can't afford that. That's very bad. And I just like through a whim went on eBay, I think. And I found an LCD screen that was $50. Um, and I bought it and I was like, okay, we'll see. Like, at least this, like, at least I can try this. And it came to my house and I found this website called iFixit that had like detailed instructions of how to replace the LCD screen on a MacBook pro or MacBook air or whatever it was. I think it was a MacBook pro. Um, and I believe it took me like 10 hours because I didn't have any of the tools. I like, there's like a lot of tools that you can use to, you know, do this more easily, but I used an exacto knife and like a chef's knife that I found in my kitchen to like pry the screen off, um, which you should not do. And like screwdriver, like, you know, flathead screwdriver. And I just was like fucking with this thing. And I was like pulling cords out from the motherboard. And I was just like, this is not going to work. There's like no way this is going to work. And I managed to finally get it all put back together and I hit the power button and it turned on and it was fine. And I used that computer for another like five years and I'm like, well, that took a long time and it was kind of hard, but like I just saved a thousand dollars. 
And so that kind of like got me into this world where I was like, oh, like I didn't even know you could fix stuff. Like maybe I should learn what this is. So I went to this conference called the Electronic Reuse Conference, I believe it's called ERC. It was in New Orleans that year. They still do it. They're doing it in like two weeks. Um, I think in Tampa or somewhere super cool like that. Um, (laughs) And I met with Kyle Weens, who's CEO of iFixit. And he told me about his company and his like origin story and how he kind of got into it in a semi-similar way where he was like upgrading RAM and growing up and blah, blah, blah. And his mission was to help everyone fix everything. And I just thought it was very cool because... uh, we look at our technologies like black boxes, I think. And there's this big, Amer- like my dad used to fix everything around the house still does. And, um, I never like learned how to do a lot of that stuff just cause I was like, Oh, he'll do it. I mean, he taught me some stuff, but, um, there weren't a lot of people like writing about it or thinking about it. So I wrote a big story about, I fix it in this conference. And then since then I've just covered this issue. Um, and the issue is that, electronics manufacturers don't want you to be able to fix your things because if they have a repair monopoly on fixing an iPhone or whatever, they're making millions and millions of dollars. Uh, And we've seen it with medical equipment. We've seen it with John Deere tractors. We've seen it with kitchen appliances. We've seen it with, of course, laptops and phones. And there's like... The thing that I always used to tell people is if you crack your phone screen... This was years ago. It was like iPhone 6 or 5 or whatever, probably 5. But if you crack your phone screen, the two screws on the bottom of an iPhone, which like you can see here, like the bottom of the iPhone here, those those are not normal screws. They're pentalobe screws. They have like a star, like a star shape. And, you know, it's more common now. But at the time, you couldn't buy that screwdriver anywhere. Um, and I fix it, sold that screwdriver and like Apple did that so that people wouldn't like open up their phone, you know, and they made that same screw on the bottom of the MacBooks and so on and so forth. And it's like, you, you could find it, but it's not like something you'd have lying around your house. And so I wrote a lot about like that screw and that move to like, make it harder to do this. And I don't know the like forced iPhone upgrade, not forced, but like the pay as you go sort of thing. And just written a lot about like, you don't really own the things that you buy anymore. They're all on subscription plans or, you know, you, they have DRM, which like won't let you, you know, upgrade them or, you know, you get software locked out. So I've written a bunch of stories about this over the years. We made a series called uh, state of repair where we did the tractor hacking one. Like we found these uh, farmers who were, downloading John Deere firmware off Pirate Bay and flashing it to their uh, tractors using this cable that they bought on this weird forum that I went on to, which is cool. And the reason I'm so proud of it is one, I think it's an important issue. I think it's cool. I think it's like, you know, we're able to demystify how a lot of this stuff works because a lot of, a lot of, electronics are still just Lego blocks. They're like small, but, and the cords are small and the chips are small, but they just snap together. It's like, you can do it. It's not that hard. Um, but I'm so proud of the work because at the time I believe 
there was like one state that was kind of considering a law that would make it like a right to repair law um, where the, the manufacturers would have to sell the parts, the tools and give out their repair guides to the public. Um, And now a few years later, we have multiple states that have passed legislation like Colorado passed legislation recently, New York passed legislation that was kind of watered down, but they passed it nonetheless um, against like tons and tons of lobbying from the electronics manufacturers. Um, And we've seen companies like Apple and Microsoft soften their policies. Um, We've seen right to repair legislation get considered in like dozens and dozens of states um, Joe Biden issued an executive order and cited our reporting, which is cool. And so I'm proud of it because I feel like more than anything else that I personally have worked on, like other people, motherboard have done things that are probably more impactful, but anything that I have like written myself, uh, I think it's had probably the most impact. Um, so I'm very proud of that. Jason, final thoughts, any dirt you want to dish on us as you're going out the door? Yeah, I'm going to keep talking a a little bit longer. Um, (laughs) Oh, one other right to repair thing is there's a sticker on the bottom of a lot of electronics that say warranty void if removed. And I wrote an article about how that's illegal. So if you ever see a thing that says warranty void if removed, uh, that's bullshit. And to the FTC issued a bunch of fines about it and said it's illegal. And that was definitely like our reporting, which is cool. And Matt, you've done tons of great right to repair reporting as well, which I think I like forced upon you at first. And then you kind of (laughs) took it from there. But, um, so there's that, uh, I know we've been on for a very long time. I'm going to talk for another 10 minutes straight and then we can be done. Um, people ask for dirt about you too. And I don't have a lot of dirt about you two. Um, you're both wonderful people. You're both very, very good at what you do. You're both easygoing in a way that's made my life very easy um, because this has been a hard place to work. And you've gone through it like while still doing very powerful and good work, like generally with a smile and a sense of humor. Uh, which I think is very important and which I've also tried to bring because it's like, we have pretty cool jobs um, for the most part. And you've done very, 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 very good work. And I'm proud of both of you. That said, uh, dish about Matt. He goes to Chick-fil-A <laughs> like way too much. Like Chick-fil-A <laughs> perhaps like <laughs> every Friday I'm just like, Matt, you, you go on Chick-fil-A. And he's like, I'm already there. I'm sitting um, here thinking about it right now. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> he's probably going right after we log off. Um, which I believe you call it murder chicken or something like this. Shame chicken. Uh, you're not proud. Shame, shame chicken, chicken yes, is what I call it. This, which it's okay. It's okay. I'll forgive you uh, for going there. But there's that. Um Emily, like, I really don't think I have any embarrassing facts. Um, I would say that Emily is the ringleader of Motherboard's Coffee crew, uh, which is a Slack channel that we have for when we have had way too much coffee. And 
are jittery, which I'm going to have coffee right after this again. And then Same. post there. Uh, Emily's a huge Swifty, but in a cool way. And I'm a Swifty too oh, yeah. with Chloe who uh, left us recently and Sam Cole. Um, I don't think that I have like dirt though. I, you're like way too obsessed with, um, with like internet celebrities that I've never heard of. <laughs> I will say that like deep in the lore, like really deep in the lore. It's true. <laughs> um, but yeah, don't have a, don't have a bad word to say about either of you. Um, I don't think any of you have like ever fucked up in such a way that it's been like a problem for me, which is good. Um, uh. so thank you for making my life easy. Maybe you, maybe you have, but I've forgotten at this point and forgiven. Well, we'll forgiven. we won't bring it up then. Yeah. <laughs> Math files with a lot of typos, but you know, <laughs> that's fine. Not my problem anymore. <laughs> I gotta, um, you know, we're writing a lot. It's it's okay. That's what editors are for, Jason. Yeah, I know. He's keeping me on my toes. That is consistently um, like so uh, this is, you know, this is consistent. It's consistently like one of the pieces of feedback in the in like the yearlies is like you got to clean up the copy a little bit. Oh, I apologize. So I'll just be like missing words sometimes, and I'm just like, uh, I'm not sure what is supposed to be here, but he clearly just kept going, um, which that's is fine. Job. Did, it's did okay. his job. Yeah. Um, so that's you guys. And I know I've been talking for a very long time, but I'll just give my farewell here. Um, thank you to everyone who has ever watched anything that we've done or read our website or supported us or tweeted about us or watched this uh, or told your friends about us. I'm very, 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 very thankful. Um, I don't know how I ended up here, really. I don't know, like, (laughs) very lucky um, because there's not a lot of jobs like this in journalism and in the world uh, where I got, like, the creativity to do what I wanted to do and to hire people who care about the things that I care about and who um, are so passionate and talented and good people. I don't think that we've had any shitheads at motherboard, like people genuinely like each other and are nice to each other and are good at their jobs and are nice to be around. And that's very rare and very nice. Um, Also, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people behind the scenes at Vice who don't show up on any of these Twitch streams uh, or in and don't have bylines or don't like show up on YouTube who have helped us do what we've done for so long, um, which I cannot even begin to name, but there's lawyers and there's salespeople and there's artists and there's I don't know, just like a bunch of people who make the company um, make it possible for us to do what we do. Um, That said, it's like obviously not perfect. It's not been perfect, um, which I won't go into detail on, but it's like it's a complicated and big company that has problems and has had problems. And uh, I think that they'll get figured out at some point. And I hope that people 
get to keep doing the good work that they've always done. Um, I think that they'll get back to that at some point, but this is just to say, I'm very thankful. I'm very happy. I have no regrets. I'm very proud of what we've done. I'm not sad to be leaving as in just like, I'm at peace with it. Please everyone keep supporting motherboard. It's time for me to do something else. Uh, I, you'll find out what that is at some later juncture, but I'm taking a, a minute, a beat. I'm, I will also figure out what it is. Um, but anyways, I'm not going to be gone forever. Motherboard's in good hands. I don't know. That's it. Probably. I guess. Thank you to everyone. Jason, it's been an, it's been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much. Really, Thank you, Jason, for everything. Yeah. Well, um, you're welcome. All right. I think we're going to wrap it up for today. Everybody people made me look a lot better than I am. It's like, it's people, it's like very talented team made my job easy. It was not always easy and it was very often extraordinarily hard, but uh, for the most part, it's like, could not have done it without like the team, you know? So we're going to miss the hell out of you, Jason. Thank you. Yeah. Well, you know where to find me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the ocean <laughs> off of LA. Yeah, you know where to find me as long as I don't drown in this hurricane. But uh, I don't. Yeah, think true. That I will. And and if you do, we'll tell you about it here next week. No, um, <laughs> well, not. We're going to take a we're taking a break next week. Actually, from the stream. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, we're everybody. Taking a break next week. Yeah, not for for hurricane unrelated purposes. For Emily on vacation related purposes. Matthew's going to chill um, next week. Uh, we, we do have like a pretty packed September kind of already planned. Uh, Corey doctor is coming back. Brian Merchant's going to come on talk about Luddites with us. Uh, we've got stuff brewing, uh, next week. We will be taking a pause though. So don't look for us next week. We won't be here, (laughs) but every week after that, watching us make a cup of coffee Mm -hmm. and, and, and think of us fondly, please. Uh, and we're gonna we're gonna set up a raid now. We're gonna go raiding somewhere else. Uh, we're gonna go to the Marine Mammal Rescue, all one word. Uh, it is Marine Mammal Rescue, which I think is exact. It's just as adorable as it sounds. It's exactly, it's exactly what you think it is. And in a way, this is what my vacation is about to look like. Oh, so. oh, it's an otter. They got otters in there right now. That's Hell that's yeah. the stuff. That's beautiful. All right, everybody. Uh, So let's go queue up to go raiding Marine Mammal Rescue. And thank you, everybody. Jason, once again, absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on and doing the stream with us. Goodbye, Jason. Thank you. Thank you, Jarrell. Thank you, Ian. Thank you, Samir. Thank you, Dexter. Thank you, all the people, Michelle, everyone who makes this stream happen. Goodbye.